Jesus in the face of everything. He's the great I am. He's still in charge. Nothing is a surprise to him. You know, we fasted last week asking him for things. And instead, praising him. And I began talking with a friend about this. And at the same time, there was a scripture that came through about not a spirit of fear, but of sonship.
can be seated in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? I want to do something before I preach. Um, in the book of Daniel, the seventh chapter, Daniel starts interpreting some of the visions that are taking place. And I feel to pray over this congregation that is here and those that are online with us this afternoon because I think that this scripture is playing out even now and uh, I, I want to come against it a little bit in the spirit today. Verse 25 of Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. It says, He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto his hand until the time and times and the dividing of times. I know that this is a prophetic scripture, but as in all prophecies, there are applications that can be made at any time within the span of the beginning to the end of time. So I understand that there is going to be some literal things that begin to take place, but we're already sensing some of them. How many just are just tired? You're just weary. You're tired of picking up a newspaper. You're tired of putting on a news program. You're tired of listening to what's happening in the world today. And you're just, you're just, you don't know what to fight against anymore. And you don't know when to listen and when to obey and when to fight. And it's just, it's wearing out the saints. And uh, our times and laws have seemingly changed. It's amazing when you think back that we're already past the halfway mark of 2020. It's sped by so quickly, and at the same time, it has gone as slow as molasses. There are things that are happening where we feel from day to day where we feel some things are sped up, some things are slowed down, and it's all designed by the enemy to wear us out. Because if we can get worn out, we don't worship with the same energy. When we get worn out, we don't testify with the same energy. When we get worn out, we don't live with the same energy. And the world is needing to see a people that are energized for the kingdom of God. And so if he can just get us tired, have we given up our belief in God? No. Have we given up our thoughts of the kingdom of God? No. Have we... Have we laid aside the truth of the word of God? No. Have we, have we stopped doing the things that we're, stopped praying and stopped doing it? No, we've done all of those, but we've just gotten so tired in doing. So I want to pray over this congregation that there would be a divine energy that would usher itself back into our spirits. And those that are online today, that it would go over the airwaves and go right into wherever they're listening or watching today, that they would feel the energy of the Spirit come back into their lives so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. Would you join with me in prayer right now, Jesus? By your word, by your power, I come against the tools of the enemy that would try to trick us, that would try to deceive us, and that would try to wear us out. 
Lord, we trust in you. We believe in you. But Lord, I'm asking you for a divine energy to flow into the spirit of your people. Lord, let there be an energy spike. Let there be an electric move of your spirit, if you will. Let the anointing power of God come to life in us so that as we live for you, as we do that which we know we're supposed to do, Lord, that it wouldn't make us weary in well-doing, but we know that in due time we shall reap if we faint not. Lord, give us a divine strength. Give us a divine spine. Give us a divine backbone, Lord, to stand up against the weariness of the enemy and the signs of the times and the speed of the times and everything that's going on around us and allow us to stand strong on your word and on your promises, Lord, that you have chosen us for such a day as this. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was free today. We want to encourage you, though. Just remember who he chose to be here at the end time. He didn't choose Simon Peter to be here today. He didn't choose the Apostle Paul to be here today. He, had chose, he chose you and I to operate the kingdom of God in this atmosphere. That means he trusts us enough. That means he has put it in us and equipped us to be what I believe is the end time generation. Praise God. Praise God. The atmosphere is changing now. Yes, it is. In Jesus' name, I believe that. I sense it. Praise God. I am going to preach a message to you from Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And uh, as you're turning there, Thank you for your participation in fasting the last couple of weeks. This week, I've got probably the hardest one for you to do. Don't chuckle. <laughs> I'm asking you to fast the one thing that you've just got to have. That's different for all of us. It could be a newspaper. It could be a Diet Coke. Some of you are already laughing. You're freaked out. From midnight tonight till service next week, we're asking you to fast. One thing that you just have to have every day. Maybe it's that cup of coffee in the morning. Maybe you'll have to get Holy Ghost caffeinated instead. <laughs> Praise God. But as normal, we're not just tying a physical fast. I want a spiritual fast as well this week. And this is what I'm asking you to fast. If it's, it's more of an action than it is a fast. But I am challenging each one of us to forgive unrelentingly. Forgive. Maybe it's the person that did you wrong. Maybe it's the situation that you're in. Maybe you've been beating yourself up for too long and it's time to forgive yourself. I'm asking you to fast that one thing that you've got to have. But in the midst of this week, I'm asking you to forgive unrelentingly, which means without strings, when it doesn't make sense, when you think you have the right to hold on to something, but God is saying, I just need to forgive it. I know that'll be tough for all of us, but let's fast that for one week. Just let's forgive unrelentingly and see what God will do. Praise God. Acts chapter 16, I'm starting at verse number 20. I'm reading from the King James Version today. 
And this is talking about Paul and Silas. And they brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's hands or bands were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want to preach this message. God is moving at midnight. God is moving at midnight. Would you one more time just ask the Lord to... Help us to receive what the word of the Lord is bringing today. Lord, I pray one more time today as we go into your word that you would fill me up and pour me out upon your people. Lord, let your anointing flow freely in this place. Lord, I'm asking you to give us ears and spirits and eyes to receive what you have for us today. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us to be filled with the spirit, led of the spirit. Lord God, help us to operate in a realm for the next several minutes where your word is brought forth with clarity and understanding. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor for all things. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. The concept of midnight can be have two different meanings in scripture. It can actually mean what we would classify as midnight. <laughs> the time where uh, I'm long in bed, it's obviously. Uh, but then it can also have a spiritual connotation that says midnight is the closing hour of an age or an opportunity. Or there is, midnight can carry with it the sense of urgency or the sense of spiritual darkness or critical time. And I believe today that we are fast approaching the midnight hour. Amen. If we're not already in the midnight season, spiritually speaking. I believe that in our society today, the darkness of the day or the, the light of the day has begun to set. And the darkness of the midnight hour has started to creep in. And then I use the word creep, it's, it's moving quickly. I believe that as we have already stated today, you can pick up any newspaper article, watch any news broadcast, or listen to every, any radio station, and at some point in time, you are going to sense or hear that there is a darkness, there is something that has uh, invaded the atmosphere around us. 
The good thing is, is that the Bible says that the darkness cannot comprehend the light. And as long as the church is in the world, there is always going to be an opportunity for somebody to find the light. I don't know where you came from today or where you've been going or what you've been doing. Uh, as some of you are guests here today, some of you have, have been members for many years, and I don't know exactly what everybody is dealing with today, but I believe this. I believe several of us have entered into a midnight season, Amen. and because we have entered into a midnight season, the enemy has tried to raise up the spirit of fear because of the darkness around you. I'm here to tell you today, do not have any fear because the light of who Jesus is will always shine in darkness and the darkness cannot overtake or comprehend that which is light. So as long as you stay hand in hand with Jesus, your light will begin to shine forth. Amen. In this passage, we see that we are operating, or as Paul and Silas was operating at a midnight hour. And I know that that was specifically meaning in the middle of the night they began to worship. But could I just share with you that it's in the middle of your darkness. It's in the middle of that midnight season for you when you need to worship the loudest. You need to lift up your voice in, in energy and strength. And the reason why you need to do that is twofold. is because the world is listening. There are other prisoners in your darkness that are listening for how you respond to your midnight season. There are people that are struggling and they're looking for something or someone to give them hope. And when they look at you in your midnight hour because they're in the same midnight season and they see you or listen to you as you begin to worship and praise in your midnight hour, the Bible said the prisoners heard them. There are people that are listening for the sound of worship in a dark age. There are people that are all around us that are just looking. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're starving for that which gives hope, that which gives peace, that which gives light. And you and I are the ones upon whom the generation has come that God has infused us with the light of the gospel so that we would begin to sing in this midnight hour. Listen, we can't leave it up to somebody else. We can't say 15 years down the road. We aren't guaranteed 15 years. We're living in a midnight hour now. Can I just tell you, I, I had a list of things to even reference, but you know what I'm talking about. You just look at any statistic out there today. We're living in a midnight hour, a midnight season. But you want to know what? That doesn't discourage me. It encourages me because God is a miracle worker at midnight. God steps into our situation when it seems to be the darkest. God shows up. Can I tell you the biggest reason why I believe God shows up in the darkest hour? Because it's in the darkest hour that we have to rely on him the most. Amen. Because you and I are so stubborn that if we are operating in the day, we're going to try to figure out how to get from point A to point B. And if there's light there, 
We're going to see the obstacles in our place and we're going to come up with an idea or a way to get around those obstacles to get from here to there. But we're in the middle of the midnight hour and you can't see if you've had kids and you have wakened up in the middle of the night and you have stepped into a living room that didn't have lights on and underneath your foot was a Lego. You know what I'm talking about. You can't see the obstacles in front of you. And so you come to a conclusion very quickly in the pathway of your life that you're going to have to rely on something that can pierce the darkness and see in the midst of the darkness so that you don't step on landmines that will cause your life to go into upheaval. You have to rely on him. He sees through the dark because where he is, there is no such thing as darkness because the darkness can't comprehend the light. And the Bible says he is the light. He has always been the light. If you don't think he has, read Genesis 1. It lets you know that there was light before the sun and the moon. Read the chronology there. He had to be the light. There are times when we see the things of God begin to happen. There are times when we have to be ready for the miraculous hand of God. Some of us here today have been praying for miracles. I was glad that my wife, my wife and I don't I wasn't going to have to say we don't talk. We don't talk about the service. We do communicate once in a while. But we have made it a purpose. It was a decision that we made years ago. And, and really, as we started pastoring, I will come up with my message. She will come up with the worship. And God will blend them together. And there has been probably on one hand where I've asked her to sing a certain chorus. Or I've asked her to add something to the worship. Or I've even known before, and I don't even get to be on the praise team email text list. (laughs) And so I hear the songs when they start practicing. And there have been more than one time as I've been sitting in the office getting my final thoughts together as they've begun to sing. I'm like, okay, God, you're confirming everything that we're doing. And she said earlier, if you need a miracle... Listen, we are in a midnight hour, but that's when the miraculous of God works the best. Get ready for your miracle. Prepare your hearts and your minds for your miracle. Because if you don't prepare and get ready for God to do something, you're not going to recognize it when it does. How do I know if you read in Acts? All the people were gathered together to pray that Simon Peter would be released from prison. And when he came and knocked on their door, they thought it was a ghost. Because surely the miracle couldn't have taken place. Get ready for a miracle. I find it interesting in the life of Christ when he was getting ready to feed the 5,000, including women and children. So upwards of probably 20,000 people. That the Bible says it this way. The sun was going down and the day was far spent. It was ramping up 
for a miracle. As the sun was going down, the miraculous was rising up. And they brought the food, the fish and the loaves. And Jesus began to do a miracle that is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. Can I tell you, as the sun begins to set, the miraculous power of God begins to move. There's 10 different events in Scripture to deal with a couple of them. There are 10 different events in Scripture that God steps in at the midnight hour. Events that God uh, step, uh, that, you know, gets involved in in the midst of darkness. Can I tell you that because the sun is going down right now, it doesn't mean that we're just losing out. It doesn't mean that the church is being diminished. It doesn't mean that the light is flickering. It means that God is getting ready to make a move in the miraculous. God's getting ready to do something powerful, supernatural, that will blow our minds. See, here's the message to the church today. Spirit of Grace Church. This is what I felt the Lord speaking to my spirit as I was studying, and that is this. We are in the sunset generation. But there's thousands and thousands of souls that are hungry for God. And God's getting ready to touch them. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of where God intervenes in the pathway of people. I'm not talking about a religious experience. I'm talking about a downright relationship with Jesus, where Jesus just comes so personal, and it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We can't deny that something has shown up. We can't deny that God has, has walked into the scene. We can't explain it, but we can't deny We can't figure it all out. It just is God. It's amazing to me that people will give up on God so quickly. When the road gets a little rough, when it doesn't just go our way, can I just tell you, I like my needles, if you haven't noticed. And if I had been sitting out in the heat of the day all day long listening to Jesus teach, and the sun was getting ready to set, I would be elbowing my sons and saying, okay, you got to get to Cain's. <laughs> We gotta find some dinner. My stomach's growling a little bit. And I just gotta tell you, the way that my mind thinks, I don't know if I would have listened at the time when Jesus says, get them to sit down in 50s. What is he doing now? Let's just go. Arby's is still open. I can still get something before he closes. It's getting late, but I can make it. And had I left, or the people that were there decided that they had to go get dinner, they would have missed out on the greatest meal that they could have ever had. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God has prepared. It may seem small right now, 
It may seem minuscule right now. It may seem, I've even read somewhere where tradition says that the two fish that that boy probably had, we'd like to think that it was walleye, but it was probably sardines. It was probably just some small little things that could go into a lunch bucket. It was not some great feast of, of fish, but God turned it into a great feast where there was leftovers afterwards. Listen, when God begins to do your miracles, don't just plan on the miracle being done, but there's going to be leftovers. The Jewish clock is, it, it, it operates different than what we do. They have 12 hours of the day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then they have four watches of the night. 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to 6. And it's in the midst of that that we have to understand that I believe we are in the midnight season. We are in the transition, if you will, between the second and the third watch. I believe it's in the darkest part of the night, but as we get closer to the day breaking, when we get closer to the sky separating and Christ calling us home, I believe that we are fast approaching the breaking of day. I believe that we are coming up. I know that I have, uh, in the, I've heard it my entire life that Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Can I just tell you, it doesn't matter whether it's another hundred years, a hundred years is soon. Jesus is on his way. The day that's going is getting ready to break forth and the light of who he is is getting ready to shine. And I want to be ready for the daybreak. And it's in the midst of the night hour that we get a hold of the things of God so that when the day breaks, we're ready to go. It's in the middle of the midnight hour where the miraculous power of God takes place. And then when the day breaks, like for the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, lives are changed. Things happen. Listen, it could be your dark hour that's going to trigger the light hour for somebody else's life. It could be your midnight season that's going to open up the understanding and the revelation of who Jesus is for somebody else. Don't disparage your midnight hour and get ready for God to move so that when the breaking of the day comes, when the fourth watch is over and the day begins, that somebody is able to see in you the things of God. I find it interesting, I believe it's Matthew chapter 20, where we receive the parable of the 11th hour laborers, where the owner goes out and he hires and he makes a deal with them at the very beginning of the day, 6 a.m. He comes and he calls them to work and they agree to a certain price or a certain cost that, would, would, that they would receive, a wage that they would receive at the end of the day, and they began to work. And then the Bible says that the owner went out again in the midday and a couple other times throughout the day, all the way up to 5 p.m., the 11th hour, and says, would you come and work for me? And they came for one hour of work, and they took a hold of the things of that, that field, and they began to to operate just like the people that had worked all day. And at the close of business, one hour later, the people that started at five o'clock received, received the same wage or the same reward as those that worked all day long. In our sense of fairness in America, that doesn't make sense. 
that's a scandalous thing to pay somebody for an hour when you were paying me for the whole day for that. We would be in an uproar. We would complain. We would bicker just like the people that were there. How come they're getting paid? They just worked an hour. They didn't work the whole day. And, and, and the, 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 the owner of the field in the parable, it's God, comes back and says, why don't you think it was fair? You work for what I agreed upon. And they work for what I agreed upon. Can I not do what I want to do? We are living in the 11th hour of the day, if you will, getting ready to start the midnight hour. And God is trying to send a message to the church in this 11th hour. I believe that there are at least three reasons for this parable for the church, and I need you to hear this today. Number one, laborers of every hour must team up together to usher in the revival of the midnight hour. The miraculous of the midnight relies on laborers of every time of the day. Whether you are a 6 a.m. worker or a 5 p.m. worker, God is trying to unite us together so that you and I could usher in the miraculous at midnight. Listen, I've lived this thing my entire life from the time that I could walk until today, and there are some of you that have only been around the things of God for a short amount of time. You may be a fifth, uh, 11th hour worker. I may be a first hour worker. That doesn't make any difference. We're working together for the kingdom of God. And when you and I combine together in the fifth hour and the 11th hour and the fourth hour and the third hour workers, and we begin to unite together, then the miraculous can take place when the sun goes down and the things of God can come into fruition. I don't worry about whether you have all of your teeth crossed, all your eyes dotted, that you figured out this whole thing because you've only been working or serving God for a year. Listen, I've been around here almost 50 years and I still don't have every teeth crossed and every eye dotted. I still don't understand it. I still just scratch the surface of what God is. So don't let somebody uh, that supposedly has more maturity think that they have an image. They don't have any more knowledge than you do. They just have a great relationship. I should say great. They have a longer relationship. So let's bind together. You're brand new. Some of you may be here today and you have no experience with God. Welcome to your 11th hour. The offer goes forth for you today. Would you just pick up the instruments that God has placed in your life? And go hand in hand with the owner of the field. We'll support you. We'll be with you. And the maturity of the elder. And the zeal of the younger. When they are blended together. Make such an impact to the world around us. We will not be able to take credit for ourselves. Because when you're younger you see things that the older people don't. And when you're older, you've experienced things that the younger hasn't. But when you blend them together, the field gets taken care of. The second reason I believe that the Lord put this in the scripture was this. When we get to heaven, the person who lived for God for 40 years longer than someone that went will not be complaining about their reward. See, I just can't imagine getting to heaven, getting up there, and God giving me the same reward that he's given to Jason. 
Because we're both going to be in the presence of the Lord. He may be an 11th hour worker. And I've just been over the dirt. But the reward of heaven. It's not going to matter. Well, pastor, I can't, I can't get everything that you've got. So what? You don't have to. You're coming into this in the seventh hour, the eighth hour, the ninth hour. Can I tell you when Jesus comes back, there will be some people getting ready for their miracle, some people in the middle of a miracle, and some people that have already come through a miracle. But we're all going to be standing at Jesus' feet. And the third reason that God put this parable in the scripture in my mind is that he wants us to understand that until the day is done, he wants to move. Listen, I, I just got to tell you one of the things that has troubled me in recent weeks and months is this idea that the church is sliding, that the church is going into, uh, is, is starting to diminish, that the church is going the same direction that the world is going. And we've got ministries and we've got people that are so troubled because this is coming against the church. Listen, the more resistance that the church has, the stronger that the light will come forth. Listen, don't cower in a corner because it's not about the things of the political nature of the times. Don't cower in a corner from uh, calling out prayer. Don't say, I don't want to offend this person by bringing up the gospel. Listen, there are people all around the world that are dealing with situations. And what they're really looking for is somebody to say, listen, I found the answer. I started in the third hour of the day and we're heading into the fifth hour and the eleventh hour of the day. But I've got the answer for you. Why don't you come and join the kingdom? It's going to happen. I've told this church, I'll say it again. I, I, I believe it was the Lord that spoke to me years ago that said, I, I'm not the one that's responsible to tell somebody how to get to heaven. And there are people that I've said that to, they've looked at me like, oh, aren't you a preacher of the gospel? <laughs> Isn't that really your job? To tell people how to get to heaven? How to be ready for the coming of the Lord? That's not my job. My job as a preacher of the gospel is not to get you to heaven. It's to get you to Jesus. And if I can introduce you to Jesus, Jesus will take care of it. And when God gave me that revelation, all of the hypothetical arguments that I used to get in in school just disappeared. The arguments that said, well, what happens if somebody says they believe in Jesus and they get hit by a back truck? Are they going to heaven? Because they didn't fulfill the list? That was, I don't know. That's between God and them. That's God's relationship with them. I'm just going to get you Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. In fact, Jesus talks about his love for you much, much more than he talks about heaven. 
He talks about his kingdom, but his kingdom is already here. Jesus said it this way. John the Baptist said it this way. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are already operating within the kingdom of heaven. We're just not there yet. We're strangers and foreigners in this world. We don't belong in this world. Can I tell you why some of us have been struggling with the whole political system that's going on and all the, the uproar that's been happening? Can I tell you what's making you uncomfortable without you even realizing that it's what's making you uncomfortable? And that is this. You don't belong here. You are, the Bible says, a stranger and a foreigner. You are a child of God, so your country is the kingdom of God. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God do not mesh. So you are uncomfortable because there is a clashing of kingdoms. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. And if you're in his kingdom and you know Jesus, you're not going to be comfortable here. Give me five more minutes. Evangelistically. <laughs> I said that there are at least ten recorded events that happened at midnight. I'm not going through all ten, but there are four that I need to just reference because this is what I believe that God is calling Spirit of Grace to. And if you're a guest here today, you're not here by accident. You're just visiting. You're not here by accident. God placed you here to hear a message from Him. And, and if you'll receive this, you can take this to wherever you go and, and, and apply it to your life. But there are four uh, events that happened. The first event was where the friends that needed bread for their guests, they had run out of bread, so they run to their neighbor to get bread. Can I just tell you, there was a famine of the word of God in this society that we're in. Can I just tell you that this thing has been put onto a shelf and the self-help books and even Christian writers have come and, and there's more messages today that are being preached from self-help books than they are from the Bible. The Bible says this, heaven and earth shall, 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 shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Listen, as long as we are breathing, Spirit of Grace Church has this at the core of who they are. We have bread for the hungry. We have the word of God for the thirsty. We have the thing that God has for us. We will not waver from it. We will stand up. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to preach it. If it's not in the Bible, I'm not going to preach it. If it's what God wants, it's going to be what God wants. I will preach bread at midnight. Can I just tell you? Now, I grew up in a family. We're all carboholics. <laughs> We've always left breads and pastas. But can I tell you that there's some bread that I don't like? There, one, one of our restaurants that we like is is the boulevard up by our house. But they make a sandwich that has cranberry nut bread for their sandwich. That ain't happening. <laughs> that 
that just doesn't even sound pleasing to me. But you want to know what? If I was hungry enough, I'd eat it. There may be some things in here that we don't like. I don't like that it says love your enemies as yourselves. That hurts. That's hard. You mean the one that, listen, even Judas Iscariot was addressed by Christ after his, in his rejection and after his uh, turning his back on him. He still called him my friend. Why have you come? I, there, there's some bread that I don't necessarily like. But until the day dawns in this midnight season, we're going to consume the bread. Whether it's our favorite kind of bread or not. Whether it gives us indigestion or not. I'm just being real with you. There's some things that God asks in his scripture that I just don't like. And he knows it. Because I've told him. And you want to know what? I learned not to complain. Because the more I complained, the more he gave me. So I learned just to consume it and say, now teach me so I don't have to eat it again. Vengeance is mine, save the Lord. Can I just tell you, that was hard when the riots were taking place. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In fact, he goes on to say, overcome evil with good. That means when people does evil to us, we are supposed to overcome it by doing good to them. I don't like that bread. He said, turn the other cheek. I don't like that bread. I want to take care of his cheek. He takes a swipe at me. I want to take a swipe back at him. But God said, no, 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 no. Come on the other side and let me deal with it. But until the day dawns, there's bread. There's another incident where the five wise and foolish virgins, the five foolish virgins ran out of oil at the wedding. Listen, until the day breaks and this is over in the middle of the midnight hour, we are going to be a church that has oil. We are going to be a church that listens to the Spirit of God. Lord, the oil in Scripture has to do with the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost flowing in this place from front to back, from side to side, from top to bottom, inside, out, outside, in, any way we can get it. His Spirit's got to be moving in this place. He has the authority by His Spirit to lead and guide us into all things. It is what we're going to have an opportunity to possess. It's what we're going to be able to present to those that are in the midnight hour and they can't find their way because they run out of oil in the lamp. Listen, there's going to be a light shining at one at 10110 Woodcrest that says the oil is still flowing here in this house. Come and light your lamps once again. Come and find the oil of the Holy Ghost that will allow you to make it another hour, to make it another day until the day breaks and we go home. The last one we read about here in Acts chapter 16, or Acts chapter 20, uh, 16 verse 20, Paul and Silas. 
until the day breaks, we will be a worshiping church. With or without these. Let's listen. Whether it's effective or not, whether it's right or not, you have one of two ways to look at these masks that have been mandated for us to wear. You can look at them and say, well, they're useless. They don't even make a difference. And you can complain about them and they can be an obstacle to your worship. Or you can say, I'm going to worship anyhow. And the people that hear me worship. I don't know if you've ever realized it, and I, and I close with this. But the Bible says that the prisoners heard them worship, praise, and prayer. They heard them. They heard them. Listen, people hear you one of two ways. You either say it or you live it. I am going to be worshiped. Because people are listening. But here's what I want you to notice. That when the midnight hour comes and Paul and Silas begin to worship the Bible says a great earthquake came and it shook the prison house where they were at and all the bands were loosed and the jailer comes in and the jailer looks and says, they're all gone, the doors are open. But notice what Paul says, do yourself no harm. We are all here. We are all here. Who's he talking about? He's not just talking about him and Silas. He's talking about all of the other prisoners that received their miracle because Paul and Silas worshiped. They were set free, not because they decided to pray, not because they worshiped, not because they turned their life over to God. They were freed because Paul and Silas worshiped and Paul and Silas prayed. In your midnight hour, pray, live, get loud because those that hear you will be freed along with you. And when they begin to be freed, they will do exactly what the Philippian Jew Taylor did and come before you and say, what can I now do? to introduce you to a man named Jesus. I want to introduce you to the Savior of my soul. I want to introduce you to the earthquake maker. I want to introduce you to the storm calmer. I want to introduce you to the light that was the true light that lighted every man that came into this world. I want to introduce you to the first and the last, the beginning and the end, that which was and is and is to come. I want to introduce you to the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. 
I want to introduce you to the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb for sinners slain. I want to introduce you to the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star. I want to introduce you to the rose of Sharon. I want to introduce you to the great shepherd, the great physician. I want to introduce you to the great provider. I want to introduce you to him that will endure forever. I want to, I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Listen, we are in a midnight season. But in the midst of a midnight season, God is trying to perform a miracle through us because we have Jesus. And when we have Jesus, we have everything. I invite you to stand. I am asking you all across this congregation, if you're here today and you've never been introduced to Jesus, I want to just let you know that he's right here. You may not see him. You may think pastor was just a little bit emotional, just a little bit crazy. Listen, I'm tame compared to some. What you have felt in this house is the presence of the creator of the universe that spoke everything into existence and then just didn't leave us alone. Growing up in our church, we had a statement on either side of our sanctuary. On the one side, it said, he did not send someone else to save the world. He came himself. He loved you so much, and he loves you right now. Some of you are hurting and so broken inside. With every eye closed. Some of you are hurting so badly right now. Life has thrown you curveball after curveball. And today you may even be angry at the thought of a God that loves you. Because your life hasn't seemingly been fair. And you're dealing with loss, and you're dealing with heartache, and you're dealing with wounds and you're dealing with scars, and you're dealing with a past that keeps rising up against you and fighting against you, and decisions that you made before are circling around and they're slapping you in the face, and, and you're troubled on every side. Can I just tell you, that's the midnight hour. And it's in the midst of this hour, God is wanting to step into your life right now. He's wanting to embrace you right now. Some of you have lived for God for a long time, but you've just become weary. And you have become troubled because the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the Bible says everything's going to wax worse and worse. And you're thinking that the church is going to be in trouble. The church is not going to be in trouble. The church is going to be elevated until the trump of God sounds. And we're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trump of God will sound that we which are mortal shall put on immortality. There's going to be a transition. If you're here today all across this congregation, this whole sanctuary has become an altar space. If you're here today and you are in a midnight hour and you just need to have a miracle, would you raise your hands like a funnel? Just like a funnel, just like this, that you can receive all across this place. 
Every eye closed. This is between you and Jesus. I Jesus, I am now praying by the power of the Holy Ghost and according to the blood that was shed at Calvary. Son of 